back to my burns. Welcome to the University of Colorado Burn Podcast. I'm Jean Hoffman, and this is Burn Lecture Number Five: Bugs and Burned Patients. In this lecture, we're going to be covering infection in the burn and how to treat it. So, as I talked about earlier, in your burn patients, infection is the enemy. You are my enemy. Most of burn care is a race against time to either allow a burn to naturally heal as we talked about with these superficial partial thickness burns, or to get that burn covered with the patient's own skin, an autograft, or a donated skin, allograft, or other synthetic material. You don't appreciate how important skin is until it's gone. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. So just some general things about preventing infection in the burn patients. This is one place where environmental controls for infection prevention are very important. And things like not wearing white coats in the room, making sure that you foam in and foam out or wash hands if needed. At our institution, the policy is if anybody has their wounds open or sometimes people will say has their dressings down, you must have a hat, mask, gown, gloves, and preferably shoe covers, especially in the big burns. We put all of our burns that are over 20% on contact precaution, which are gloves and gowns. So making sure to maintain this very strict hygiene procedure is important. There's also other environmental controls about room decontamination, equipment decontamination, as well as when things are in a patient's room, we don't bring them from one patient to another. So think about that if you're going to use an ultrasound machine or any any non-disposable equipment to make sure that you really clean that well after you use it on your burn patients. So the major infection that occurs in a burn patient is burn cellulitis. And generally, this does not happen instantaneously when the patient is burned. Because if you think about it, when you heat the skin up, whether it be by flame or contact type burn, most of the skin organisms are covered. Most of the skin organisms are destroyed, just like that that covering of the skin. So in the first couple days, burn cellulitis is less of a risk. After a few days, then you start to see skin organisms causing infection. So these are going to be your staphs, your streps, things that have come from one part of the patient's skin to another. Generally, unless the patient has risk factors, this is going to be a friendly staph or strep, things that are responsive to ANSEF. But if they do have MRSA risk factors, then consider going up to a vancomycin, something that will cover it. Later on in their burn course, the major bacteria are going to be your gram negatives, and the big gram negative is Pseudomonas. And the hallmark of our Pseudomonas is you get this kind of greenish, fruity type smelling discharge from the burn. Some people can smell Pseudomonas, some people can't, but you're looking for that greenish discharge. And then when you're looking at the edge of the burn wound, you're looking for spreading redness. And when you see a burn healing, the edges will normally have some redness, but what you're looking for in burn cellulitis is that redness is really spreading, the burn is getting angry, and the number one thing that I actually look for is you have a patient that was tolerating their wound care, or if you're in the ER, they were at home doing their wound care, and then now the burn is just so painful they can't tolerate it. 
their wound care anymore or they're needing escalating doses of IV pain medication, those are the patients that I really worry about having potential burn cellulitis. Burns are tough to determine whether they're infected or whether the patient's getting sick, especially the big burns, because all burn patients meet SERS criteria. They all have a fever. They all have a white count. They're all tachycardic. So what other markers can you look at for a patient that's getting infected? Potentially burn cellulitis can be other infections. So have a low threshold to test for UTIs, looking for pneumonia, that type of thing, bacteremia, especially if they have indwelling lines. The number one thing I actually look for other than the pain component that we talked about is escalating blood sugars, especially in a non-diabetic patient. I tend to check hemoglobin A1Cs on a lot of these patients to see if they have underlying diabetes because a lot of it's really hard to determine whether the blood sugar is a new thing or it's a chronic thing. So I have a very low threshold to get a hemoglobin A1C on those patients. And if it's above six, they may have some underlying diabetes and it's may not be infection or it may be a superimposed infection, but it's just something that's nice to know. Their hemoglobin A1C is less than six and they're all of a sudden starting to have blood sugars in the 180s, 190s. That's very concerning to me that they have an infection. And the Burn Association actually has created kind of their own sepsis type criteria for their patients. And what their sepsis criteria are is a temperature greater than 39, so a little bit different than your standard SERS criteria or less than 36. If they are tachypnic, so greater than 25 breaths per minute, thrombocytopenia, less than 100,000 platelets, more than two days post-burn. Again, we talked about that hyperglycemia, or if you have a diabetic patient, they're escalating, escalating, escalating on their insulin. That's very concerning to me that they're getting an infection or if they're on enteral feeding, that they're all of a sudden not tolerating those feeds. One way we also look for infection in the burn unit is we actually get screening cultures on all of our patients that come into the unit. So if you're admitted, make sure that your patient in our unit has screening cultures. And this just kind of helps us determine you know, what bacteria, if they start developing burn cellulitis, is our likely culprit. And then we actually get screening cultures every Monday as well, just to kind of monitor, have they picked something up while in the unit? Because it's very common. You know, a lot of our patients are colonized with different things. And unfortunately, as much as we try to prevent infection, sometimes they do get colonized with other bacteria. So screening cultures on admission every Monday. And then in the patients that get grafted, we actually culture on their dressing takedown. So when they take down the big dressing from the operating room, we actually get a culture at that time too. So if in a few days they're starting to look cellulitic, we know, you know what's causing their burn cellulitis. One important note that you will see in some burn centers is that they start perioperative or kind of prophylactic antibiotics. If you review the burn literature, these are not helpful. They don't improve mortality. They don't improve outcomes. So you do not need prophylactic antibiotics in a burn patient. You just need things like screening cultures and a high awareness that patients may get infections. If you have a burn patient in the ICU, pneumonia is very common. So you want to rem- remain vigilant in kind of monitoring for pneumonia. You don't need to get a daily chest x-ray or anything special like that. But if your patient starts to show some of those SERS criteria, the burn-specific SERS criteria, you know, consider a chest x-ray to look for potential pneumonia. Burn patients, since they've lost the integrity of the skin, anyone who has an indwelling 
central line or a permanent catheter may need more frequent changes. The burn literature is actually up in the air on this. So one small study showed that a routine catheter change every five days, well, a five-day group had increased infection as opposed to a three-day catheter change. That's a little bit frequent for a catheter change in our unit. The standing policy is that every seven days, if they have a central line, it gets rewired twice and then changed to a new site on that third time. There are some other studies that have refuted this, but it's something to really maintain a high suspicion looking at that site, making sure your patient doesn't meet surge criteria. And if they do, getting that line out and changing your site, you do not need to culture the tip of any catheter that you expect is causing some sort of infection or bacteremia. You just take that catheter out and that's considered source control. Of note, if you're working in another ICU, so a non-burn patient population, routine line changes have not been shown to prevent infection and have not changed patient outcomes. So this is something that is very specific to your burn patient. So last thing I want to talk about is kind of treatment. If you have one of these other infections, UTI, pneumonia, line infection, bacteremia, these are all treated in the standard fashion. But if you have a burn cellulitis, again, if it's an early burn cellulitis in a patient that doesn't have MRSA risk factors, generally you're starting something like ANSEF. But the big issue is if they have a infection or a burn cellulitis of a non-grafted wound, they need to go to the OR. So we need to be talking to our burn surgeons, communicating with them, getting those burn pictures and letting them know that, hey, we need grafting. We need to get source control and debride this wound along with starting antibiotics. If it's later in the patient's course, you need to make sure to consider gram-negative coverage. So our pseudomonas here is generally sensitive to cefepime. We save things like zosin and meropenem for the more resistant pseudomonases. And that's why those screening cultures are very important. So considering in the later burn patient or the burn patient that's farther out and has been grafted and has burn cellulitis covering for MRSA and then adding that gram-negative pseudomonal coverage. And generally, if it is a area that has not been debrided, I tend to stop antibiotics within a day or so of that debridement and grafting because in theory you have source control. If it's in a grafted burn or an area that is a donor site that is not amenable to debridement, you may need to continue antibiotics longer in conjunction with your burn surgeon. So summing up the burn and bugs lecture, things to have a high suspicion for burn cellulitis is if your patient was tolerating wound care and all of a sudden they're needing more pain medicine or you're seeing escalation of their blood sugar or insulin needs. Remember early we're treating common bugs, so skin organisms with ANSEF, or if they have MRSA risk factors going up to vancomycin. And if they are farther out in their course, considering pseudomonas and your other gram-negative bugs.